0: Father, we thank you so much that you want to speak to men and women. You want to communicate your truth. Father, I thank you, Lord, that the almighty God wants to make himself known. And so, Lord, I, I bless you for that. And I, I place myself into your hands and place my wife, Kim, into your hands as we seek, Lord, to make your word plain, plain. And simple and understandable. We pray that we can only do that Lord. If your Holy Spirit come down in power and in might. For you yourself wrote these words. And we pray that your spirit oh God. Will not only fill the speaker and the signer. But Lord your spirit will fill the hearer as well. That we all might be blessed. We all might partake of one spirit oh God today. And Lord we pray that your name. Will indeed be honoured and glorified. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. While we're dealing, my title of this message, dealing with life, last week we left a very, very distressed Joseph on his way to Egypt. A young man, only 17 roughly, a young man confused. A young man Not understanding what God's will is for his life. A young man very disappointed. Life was being hard for Joseph. And life presents hurdles and situations that present themselves. That bring confusion to you. That bring disappointment to you. That bring great sorrow into your life. These things happen to every single person. And and it's hard to work these things out. Well... Joseph shows us how he deals with the confusion and the sorrow that was happening in his life. Three things that I want to say about Joseph this morning. Facing separation. Let's read some of the words that Jim read to us. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites. We're taking him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Joseph was sold in Egypt to a man called Potiphar. He's no longer a son in his father's house, he is now a slave. He no longer has a robe of many colors. He now has rags, maybe even no clothes at all as a slave. He's no longer the favourite of 12 sons. He no longer has a vision of success, a vision of prestige, a dream that he will be the top. Now he finds himself very much in the bottom. He is in a foreign land. He'll exchange his robe, as I said, for rags. Exchanged his sonship for slavery. He exchanged being somebody now is a nobody. But I want you to hear what the word of God says about him at this time. I want you to hear what God had to say about Joseph at this time of his life. We read in our Bible reading: the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. Joseph was in poverty. Joseph was a slave. Joseph had no money, had no property. Joseph didn't even have his father's name. And yet the Bible tells us that Joseph prospered. Now in our day, and sadly in the church which we have in the UK and and around in the West, we are told that if that happens to you, God is not prospering you. No, sir. You are told that God prospers you only if you're driving that car that you really want. God is prospering you only if you put down that deposit on that house. That you really want. God is prospering you. If you have an all expensive paid holiday to the Caribbean. That is when God is prospering you. But I want to tell you. That the devil can give you all these things as well. I want to tell you this morning. The devil will love to give you as much as you want. In order to keep you bound and chained. A woman called Gillian... Brayford, she won £148 million in the lottery a few years ago. Her husband and her split within 15 months. Her mother and father and her brother had stopped speaking to her. And she said these words, and I quote, she said this. The money was supposed to, bring, to make everyone happy but it made them demanding and greedy. A man called Billy Harrell, he won 31 million pounds in a lottery. Two years later, he was found with a gunshot wound to the head. The devil will give you as much pounds as you want in order to keep you in chains. Because his main purpose Is to make sure you do not call out to God. You do not come near Christ. So he will give you as much as you like. In order to keep you away from Christ. But the reason why Joseph prospered. What was the reason why he prospered? Well the reason is this. The reason why he prospered is this. The Lord was with Joseph. It does not matter where you are in life. Doesn't matter if you're on a mountain of success or in a valley of despair, the important thing is, is the Lord with you? That is the important thing. Doesn't matter if you've got a million pounds in the bank or two pounds in the bank, the important thing is this, is the Lord with you? Because if the Lord is with you, then as Joseph prospered, you too will prosper. I want to say that this is the question of the hour. Is the Lord with you? So many of our people in our day are so concerned about trying to get on in life. But a question that they're not asking themselves is, is the Lord with me in these things? Like you hear someone say, well, how do I know? How can I tell that the Lord is with me? Well, two verses that spring to my mind and I'll, I them here in the Bible, it says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Here's another verse in Jeremiah. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you. Seek me, says the Lord. Draw near to me, says God. And guess what? i make this promise to you. If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. If you seek me, you will find me. Here's the promise I'm giving you, says the Lord. You don't need to worry about whether I'm with you or not. You draw near to me and I guarantee you, says God, I will draw near to you. That's how you can know. You can know that God is with you. If you're drawing near to him. So wonderful. There's so many faces here uh, on a Sunday morning. But that's the beginning. That is the beginning of just drawing near to God. I want to tell you, the enemy, the devil, will love to steal your time. Love to take you away and give you so much time to do other things. They have no time to seek Christ. But I want to tell you this morning, you need to draw near to God. If you want him to prosper you. Because Joseph prospered in Egypt Even though he was a slave. Simply because the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. Because the Lord was with him. The Lord says to Joseph. I am your shield Joseph. Don't worry about anything. Not only am I your shield but Joseph I am your reward. I want God to say that to me you know. I am your shield and I am your very great reward. You won't find your reward in riches, but you will find your reward in me. That's what God is saying. Is God your reward this morning? Is he your shield this morning? Because if he is, then he will indeed have his hand on your life. The Lord was with Joseph, even though he was sold as a slave. Let's move on. Facing separation. Second thing I want to find out is facing temptation. Because God was with Joseph, it was because of that fact that God was with Joseph, the others around him was blessed. Look what we read. We read these words. Joseph found favour in the eyes that became... His attendant, that's Potiphar. Potiphar put him in charge of his whole household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Potiphar was blessed because of Joseph. Now Let me stop right there. You should be a blessing to others because you know Christ. Let me say that again. You should be a blessing to others because you are a Christian. It should never be said, oh, here comes Mrs. C, let's all run. I was at my mum's house on um, Friday, I think, with a pop in to see her, and I sat there. And there's my mum sitting there watching that dreadful program EastEnders. (laughs) And I'm sitting there trying to talk to her, but she don't want to talk to me. And I can remember, you know, uh, some years back, I don't know if it's still the same storyline, but there was a a woman on EastEnders that meant to be a so-called Christian. I think her name was, what was her name? I knew you would know it. She was the most cantankerous, the most miserable, the most horrible person in the whole program. In fact, I'm a Christian. And I hate her myself, and I to love my enemies. Yeah, poor doc. She's not a real person, you know, obviously but you get what I'm trying to say here you're meant to be a Christian you're meant to be somebody who blesses others around them because you know Christ you're meant to be doing good to others the person laying on the floor beaten up and left for dead you're meant to be the one not to pass them by but you're the person who's able to come alongside and to, 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 to draw near to someone else. Whether they're a Christian or a non-Christian. Whether they're a, you know, a Jew or a Samaritan. Whether they're an Englishman or an African. Whatever they may be. You as a Christian. are may be blessed those around you. In fact if you're a neighbour. In a home. Some of all of us are neighbours. You should be the best neighbour down your street. Because. You are a Christian. Well. Joseph. Was different he went into Potiphar's house. And as he was in Potiphar's house, he blessed the whole household. Now we turn to the temptation that Joseph faced. It was a sexual temptation, but I want to handle it a bit differently this morning. What was the temptation? Let's read it. Now Joseph was well built and handsome and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said come to bed with me. I want to say again that the devil was in this temptation. In fact the devil knows I use this expression the devil knows how you like your eggs. Scrambled, hard-boiled, sunny-side-up, poached. He knows how to sugarcoat the temptation that will suit you. And so, this was a sexual temptation. But I don't want you to be narrow-minded. I don't want you to just think about sex. No, the devil knows that he can get you to lie. He can get you to steal. He can get you to spread malicious gossip at any time. He knows how to tie you up in knots. And to turn around and get you to say to yourself, let me put myself first. What can I get out of this? How can I benefit from this? What gain can I get? The devil knows how to bring you into a place when you will think about self more than you would think about Christ. And look at the timing. It came when Joseph was being a blessing. It came when Joseph was hard at work. It came when God was Filling Joseph with wisdom and strength and ability and blessing him. And causing him to go out and share and and, and be and be a great example of what a Christian should be. It came at a time when Joseph was unaware. And that's one of Satan's favorite tools in his bag. The element of surprise. When you least expect it. Bang! You're out of your car, your hands around somebody's throat because road rage has got hold of you and you wonder, how did I get here? At least you expect it. The enemy's able to come and grab a hold of you. You find yourself spreading malicious gossip, you find yourself hating somebody. Know your enemy, my friends. On Wednesday, we said that the devil has come down and he's angry. He's furious. He doesn't want to play games. He's not messing around. The Bible says he's come down and he's angry, and what he wants to do is wreck and to destroy every believer's life. Why? Because they're believing Christ and they're going to glory, and he doesn't want that. So therefore, he's angry. Know your enemy. That's why we're talking about him on Wednesday and and I might even move from the hall to the church on Wednesday because I've got a funny feeling that most of you should, all of you should be here. You should be here because Joseph was caught unaware and the enemy came in and brought a temptation. Let's move on. Facing temptation. My final point is this. Facing temptation accusation well Joseph stands wrongfully accused here's the woman she's so unimportant this woman we don't even know her name all we know is she's part of a wife but she kept his cloak beside her until his master came home then she told him this story that Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me you know, it's highly probable to do what is right and still for be taken as evil. This is what happened to Joseph. He said no to sin. He said no to adultery. He said no to wickedness. And for that, he was thrown into prison. When we, my family, went To France for a couple of weeks during the summer, and and we went to a a chateau. And as you go into the chateau, there's a sign saying, um, To the prison house. And underneath the, the castle, the chateau, there was a prison. And we went into the prison, and all it was was bare walls in a dark place. And that was 16th century. We're going now before Christ. What was the condition like for poor Joseph? Being sent to prison. He must have been sitting in prison. Or being dragged off again. Innocent. Just like his brothers dragged him away from his father. In his mind he must be thinking again. It's happening all over again. i have been dragged off and I'm innocent. And he's being dragged into a prison. While he's sitting there what must be going through his mind? Well maybe he was thinking like the psalmist thought. Psalm 73. Look what the psalmist says. Surely in vain I've kept my heart pure. I've washed my hands in innocence. This psalmist looked around, and as he looked around, he saw evil and wicked men getting by. They have no problems, they have no struggles, their bodies are healthy and strong. And he said, Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure? He turns around. This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Nothing goes wrong with them. And I can imagine Joseph sitting in that dark dungeon. No sanitation. No clean wood running water. Rags around him. Maybe even dead bodies around him. And he's sitting there and he's thinking to himself. Surely being pure and righteous haven't done me any favours. Nothing is going right for me. Well, you need to understand what the Christian life is. That's the problem with our nation. That's the problem with our Christianity. And Christianity don't understand itself in the UK. Listen to what the Word of God says. Three verses. Look at the Word of God says, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Have you heard that preached anywhere? Recently? We must go through many hardships. To enter through the kingdom of God. How about this one? In fact. Everyone who wants to live a godly life. In Christ Jesus. Will be persecuted. Or how about Jesus' words? I have told you these things. So that in me. You may have peace. In this world. You will. Have trouble. Facing trouble is not the problem. It's how you deal with it. That's the issue. Being told that you will face difficulties, problems, that you will have these things around you, that you will have a raw deal. It's how you deal with the problems is the real issue and the real question. Well, how did Jesus deal with his problems? How did Jesus deal with the cross? That was a big problem for Jesus. How did he deal with going to the cross, the agony of those the ripping of clothes, and the whipping, and the mocking, and the spitting, and the beard pulling, and then the agony of being nailed to the cross, with people, people spitting on you, and shaking their heads at you. How did Jesus deal with that? That's the question. Well, Hebrews tells us these words for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. For the joy set before him, what was the joy that was set before Jesus? I'll tell you what the joy was. The joy was when he spoke to that criminal on the cross, Jesus answered him and said, Truly, I. I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. You, that criminal, that thief, that man who robbed people. Jesus turned around and said to him, you're my joy. Today you will be with me in paradise. I want to tell you this morning, you are the joy that was set before Jesus Christ. You were the one, even though you might well know yourself to be a sinful person. Know yourself to be a rebellious man, a rebellious woman, full of wickedness in your heart. You're here today, but no one knows what goes on in your life. Even though you are sinful, I want to tell you this morning, you are the joy that was set before Jesus. That he endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of God. You are his joy. The psalmist said the same thing. The psalmist said, you know, I looked around and all these people are getting by, they're getting rich, they've got no problems. Like Joseph, surely I washed my hands in innocence. In vain have I kept my heart pure. The psalmist turned around and said this. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Till I entered the sanctuary of God. Until I saw all these things happening, but until I turned my mind upon God, until I turned my mind upon his wonderful grace, his wonderful mercy, I thought about him, I thought about his love for me. When I thought about him, I can go through anything, says the psalmist. When I turned my mind upon the Lord Jesus Christ, when I entered into his place of worship, when I began to look to him, I begin to see my problems as small. Like Paul says, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Oh yes, says the psalmist. Oh yes, says Paul. The problems that I'm facing, they might seem big at the time, but when I turn my eyes upon Jesus, when I look to God and what He has in store for me, they become light and small and momentary as I turn around and I see the eternal glories that awaits me. Turn your eyes upon Jesus Christ. That's what Joseph must have done. He must have turned his heart upon God because he didn't lose his integrity, even though he was in prison. He didn't lose. His faith in God. Even though he was lied upon. And cast out of Potiphar's house. We read. Jim read in the last part of that chapter. God was still with Joseph. Even in the dungeon. And I want to tell you this morning. Wherever you are. The Lord's promises. And assures you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. In fact you. You. Are oh, my joy. That's why I went to the cross. That's why I took the nails. Because I had a way that's going to be open. That you might come into the presence of my heavenly father. That's a joy. And praise be to God. When you face your hurdles. And you face your troubles. With this in mind. Praise be to God. You'll be able to say. To God be the glory. Great things He has done. Let's pray. Oh God, we bow before You because we know that we have this enemy that's against us. And we know, oh God Almighty, That he wants to destroy our faith. In fact Lord I know that some here today are not even believers yet. They're not even Christians. They're still under his authority and power. They're still in his kingdom. And my prayer is oh God. That even this morning you will be doing a work of rescuing men and women. Out from the kingdom of darkness. And placing them into the kingdom of your son. Out of slavery and prison. And into freedom and light. I pray you will do that work. Even this morning oh God. For we know, Lord, that you are a God who longs to draw near. And so, Father, I pray that as we draw near to you, that your presence will indeed be upon this place, that you will draw near to every heart, and that you will cause every man, every woman in this place to give you the honour and the praise that is due to your name, because you have done a great work in our lives. And for this, Lord we give you praise and honour in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.